You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 168 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And Taylor... What? Just real quick, can uh, I can I play something real quick? Uh, uh, you're gonna do it regardless well, of what I say. Right so. now, watch. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, you know what this is about. It's about Philly. <laughs> Philly came through, guys, for once. <laughs> yeah, they 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 righted their wrong from four years ago. Actually, I guess they were. They were Clinton last last time. I'm sure they were. Yeah. But uh, this time, the whole state really, like he flipped, uh, uh, Biden flipped uh, Erie County, and uh, I think a, a couple other uh, red counties from last time. And uh, I mean, record turnout, voter wise. I mean, countrywide, but you know, just in Philadelphia or in um, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Um, but uh, yeah, we got it, guys. We did it. It's over. Well, it's not, it's not over. It'll be over soon. Hopefully. Um, you know, I mean, you know, the fucking dumbass is like, he's trying, you're, you're living under a rock if you haven't heard about this, but he's trying to uh, sue in several states to invalidate, well, not invalidate, but just challenge the election results in each of these states. <laughs> And each of these states are just like, there's nothing going on here. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. My favorite one, I don't I don't know where it was. It was I know it was a judge named Diamond, but uh he asked yeah. one of Trump's lawyers, he was like, Did, were there watchers representing Trump in the room? And the guy was like, There was a non zero number of watchers. <laughs> I think that was uh Michigan. And the judge was like, I'm asking you now. As a member of this state's bar, were there representatives of Donald Trump in that room? And the guy's like, yes. Yeah. The judge goes, then I'm sorry, what's your problem? Right. <laughs> and this is the basically, I mean, not word for word, but basically what's happening in each state. It's like, uh, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, there's this big thing where these, um, so they had observers for each party. And, you know, because of COVID and because of the sensitive nature of the election, they had a limited number of people. As observers from each party, there was 19 Democrat, 19 Republican. This is in Pennsylvania. I don't know about other states, but it, it was 19 Republican, 19 Democrat, and 19 Independent. Okay, so I, I didn't know about the Independents, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So they had these observers that were literally leaning over the shoulder. Well, not, not literally. <laughs> I think typically they, under certain normal circumstances, they would literally be leaning over the shoulder. But because of COVID, there were regulations put in place. Where they had to be, you know, ten feet away or something, something like that. Yeah. And the Trump uh, uh, campaign and the Republican National Committee uh, conference committee conference 
RNC. Yeah. <laughs> they went to the court and had them say, well, we can't get close enough to make sure that these are being counted accurately. And so the the judge actually allowed them to get closer to these people um, to make sure there's no, you know, funny business going on. And But they got what they wanted, but they still are saying, oh, well, we weren't allowed to, or we weren't given access in a timely amount, or, you know, in a, in a timely amount of uh, time. <laughs> But, and so, you know, there, there could have been something going on in that time. And, you know, we've got all these ballots that are, are probably invalid. And we, should, we should just throw them away. It's like, okay, let's throw away these 500 some odd ballots and, you know, continue to count these. What was the final tally? It was like, was it 40 something thousand over or, you know, additional votes that Biden had over Trump in, in Pennsylvania? I haven't seen the final numbers. Though. Um, it, yeah, it's just absurd like we talked about how it's like it's the equivalent of a parent just being like okay you're throwing a temper tantrum you can stand in front of the other boys and girls right and then just turning to the other parents being like i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> he just won't he won't behave himself and they're like i understand just <laughs> just let him if it'll if it'll make him shut the fuck up then just go ahead and here we are uh a week and a half after election day Biden's already been announced, or you know, projected as the winner, because the the electors uh, meet on the f- on December fourteenth. Is that the day to finally you know cast their votes um, and you know make it official? But Trump, to this day, here we are on November fifteenth, as we sit here, he has still not conceded. He still not will. He will still not admit that he lost the election by a large margin. <laughs> like even if even even adjusting for some kind of error, he still would have lost his ass like yeah. by a lot. Um, he so, says he won't concede, and he says as soon as as well. He doesn't say this, but it's being reported amongst his aides that as soon as uh, Biden is certified, Trump is going to announce his twenty twenty four candidacy. I, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he's in jail before then. Yeah. Which brings up another issue because apparently there's nothing written in stone that says he can't, uh, that says that he can't pardon somebody even though there's been no p- charges brought. So he can just like preemptive, look, if he knows there's wrongdoing, he can preemptively pardon somebody because it's not written that he can't. Also not written is nothing saying that he can't pardon himself. That doesn't sound right, but I don't have the facts. So, well, this is coming from Jamie Raskin, who's a, a, a represent or in the House of Representatives. Um, he was also a um, constitutional law professor. So, I think if anybody would know, it'd probably be him. Sure. I remember um, Cohen was talking about that he thought Trump would step down and then have Pence pardon him. Yeah, I mean, that would probably be the the smart thing to do. Uh, you know, if if I were to do something like that, that's probably what I would do. Yeah, but he's not a smart guy. He won't admit that he lost. I don't. The thing is, is like I don't know that he believes that he lost. I don't know if he's just just arguing because he's being petulant, or if he legitimately believes that he did not lose. 
I've read several reports that he knows that he lost and he's putting on a show for his base. That's that's probably accurate. Can you imagine undermining our country's entire democracy just to appease like some people? A bunch of racist rednecks. <laughs> like I, it's just mind-boggling to me. We have uh it's like, I got to look good for my people, so I'm just going to just absolutely undermine everything this country stands for. Right. We had uh, the the Million MAGA March yesterday. Yeah. Which was not only just insulting to me as an American, but insulting to, you know, anybody who participated in the Million, in the million Man March. <laughs> which actually stood for something. Yeah. <clears throat> um, there's not a million people far from it, quite, actually. Have you, you seen the videos of them fighting each other? I know I haven't, but I believe it. It is really weird. And she was telling me uh, somebody, I think it was in Washington, Proud Boys showed up. Oh, yeah. Started fighting people. Um, and somebody got stabbed in the ear. Like a reporter got stabbed in the ear by Jesus. a Proud Boy. They're, they're a fun bunch. Um, you know, it would be nice if when Biden takes office, he declares them a terrorist organization. Hasn't the FBI already done so? I don't know. Pretty sure that the FBI has declared them a terrorist organization, or at least declared they had like the most terrorist activity of in the country, or something. Uh, I don't know. That's that. That's news to me. But if if they have, then well, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, the important thing is we got it. Trump is is out the fucking door. In was it? 70 some days sure yeah just counting down the days to january 20th to be the greatest day we've had in eight years okay um so what's up taylor aside from that uh not much we're about to go back down on lockdown here in uh in washington state yeah that's that's cool I was watching uh, our governor, Jay Inslee. Um, you know, it made me wonder if he was waiting until after the election to do this. Probably. I mean, that would have been the politically savvy thing to do. Right. But, yeah, we're, I mean, it's... it's. Apparently- I mean, Lauren Kolb told me that under Jay Inslee, masks were forever, so... it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just proving him right. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, we're starting midnight tonight, right? Midnight Monday, tomorrow night. Okay, so I, I didn't know how to interpret that. He said mid. He I said, saw eleven fifty nine p.m. Monday. That's what I saw. Oh, okay. Okay, so I was okay. I wasn't sure if that was eleven or midnight tonight or midnight tomorrow night because you know the changing the, of the yeah, days. The, the right. whole that's all thing. Apparently, time is a time is a construct. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apparently, it's not going to be as stringent as the as the one we got in March. Yeah, I saw it referred to as a soft lockdown. <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, means you need pills for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not super concerned about that. Like, I was I was a little concerned about the first one about what what that might hold for us. I'm not as concerned about this one. I'm just a little worried about people losing their minds and there's being a run on. You know, toilet paper and shit again. Oh, yeah, because grocery stores are going to be 25% capacity for the next four weeks. Right. Which, I mean, 
This means you're gonna have to stay on the line. You know, they they were running at was it fifty percent capacity? I honestly don't know. Um, well, you know, reduced. They're already at reduced capacity. Mm-hmm. They have been since March. Um, and now it's you know it's reduced more, but I don't know that there was ever. Uh, I, I never had to wait in line. Me neither. So I I don't know how much an issue it's going to be. I don't know if these stores were ever at twenty five percent capacity. Although we are heading into the holidays, so that's I think that's the whole reason for it now. And and you know, looking at responses on Twitter to the whole thing, I don't have a whole lot of faith because people are just like, "Fuck you, Inslee, I'm gonna do whatever I want." Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got we're just discussing it. People we know who are refusing. People to- we know. <laughs> Who are refusing to wear masks? Well, not refusing, just like, it's like, well, if, if that person's not wearing a mask, I'm not going to wear one either. That kind of thing. That's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. <laughs> you can't like be like, that guy just shot somebody. Guess we can just shoot people now. <laughs> I'm just going to start shooting. So I start blasting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, but yeah, another lockdown. I mean, let's see. I know Vancouver up north is in one right now. Mm-hmm. I think all of California is going. Yeah, all of California already has or, or will be soon. Right. Um, I don't know about Oregon. I, I I know that the whole West Coast like made a coalition or whatever to be like, if you come into our state, you have to quarantine for 14 days. Yeah. I was going to drive down to my mom's for Thanksgiving. It was just going to be the four of us. But now that they're like, don't leave the state. I'm like, sorry, mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we contemplated that because we were going to have this kind of, you know, um, blended Thanksgiving where we're going to invite, you know, we're, we're, it's going to be the two of us, my parents, my sister and her husband, um, and then her parents. Um, and we're all going to get together, you know, be, because of the, of the way things are now and, you know, they're just announcing this lockdown. We had to think, it's like, do we still want to do that? But it's just like we're all working from home and, you know, we're not really leaving the house aside from essentials. So it's like in that, in that respect, we're not really any – well, it's not that we're not any more or less safe. It's just like, you know, we're – as a larger group, we're about as isolated as we can be. Yeah. So – And you got a big enough backyard that <clears throat> if you wanted to do like, you know, social distance back backyard, outdoor kind of thing, you could – Oh, we're going to my parents' house. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, it's an uncomfortable situation, but... My mom was saying in Oregon, people can, like, call the cops on you for having social gatherings. Really? Yeah, I mean, you know, Inslee was just saying during this conference, it's like, you know, you're not going to have state troopers showing up at your door for having people over Thanksgiving. We just hope that you would have some common sense about it, and, you know, that kind of thing. That's kind of how he's been through this whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, whereas Washington State... In the grand grand scheme of things, you know, as far as the United States, our COVID cases are fairly low, despite us being like one of the hot spots at the beginning. Yeah. We were um, the first in the country. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Go Washington! We're number one. No, we're not number one, and that's we, the thing. But we were first. We were first. Hashtag first. Um, like a YouTube comment. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so your Thanksgiving's coming up, and sorry, and you guys just gonna do your own thing at home now. Yeah, I think we're just we're gonna get like a turkey breast or something, and just make a little 
mini feast. There you go. Yeah, I mean, if if, if worst comes to worst, you know, we were still what a week and a half out, two weeks out. Yeah, two weeks. A week from Thursday, right? Yeah. So, so you know, if that in that time, you know, we kind of lose our nerve, then we'll maybe, you know make adjustments and maybe just do our own thing here. But at this point. You know, she's she's got family from out of town where it's just like that's that's too much. Yeah, it's like we, we can we can more or less verify what we as a core group are doing, but when we start inviting people from out of town, people we don't know what they're doing and how you know how they're living their day to day lives. It's just like no, we gotta gotta pump, pump the brakes. Jinx, buy me coke. <laughs> Never buy you coke. <laughs> anyway, anyway, wear a mask. Wash your hands. This isn't a political issue. Like just, just do it for for yourself and for your fellow man. Just, just do it. There's a vaccine coming. Apparently, apparently, with promising results. And Fauci is touting it. So yeah. You know. So I mean, I love that Pence was like, "We did it," and Pfizer was like, "We had nothing to do with Operation Warp Speed. We didn't receive a fucking dime from Operation Warp Speed." <laughs> <laughs> is that what they call it, Operation Warp Speed? Yep. That's fucking stupid. That's not as bad as Super Duper Missile, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, that's cute. Super duper. <laughs> Super duper. God, I need to watch Grind again. <laughs> uh, anyway. That might be the movie that I like has the, the biggest discrepancy between critical reviews and how much I fucking love it. Oh, because everybody fucking hates it? Yeah, and it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> it's like cheesy as fuck, and it's like... It's like a it's like a time capsule. I love it. It's it's like it's so painfully early two thousands that it's just like whoa, <laughs> but it's so good. Okay, does it smell like ass crack or pepperoni? <laughs> I got five bucks on pepperoni, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Rivers. All right, we need... yeah, we could just sit here and quote grind all day. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I won't. <laughs> meet, meet, meet in the ass. You think I'm bluffing? I still do that every time cheese makes chili. I'm like, chili, 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 chili. <laughs> chili. Uh, all right. Yeah. So we're about 18 minutes in here. So let's, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, before we get on with the show, I want to thank our grave diggers over on Patreon. These lovely folks help finance this uh, little dog and pony show that we run here. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't have an expensive show, but it does cost money. We have to pay for our website and, you know, hosting MP3s and, and, and whatnot. And we just don't have money. We're very poor. And uh, we need people. <laughs> we need help. I <laughs> mean, I'm poor. I, we've said it before, but we probably wouldn't still be doing the show if we were doing it out of pocket. Yeah, not necessarily because it would have like broken us, but it would it just would have been much harder to be like, why are we doing this and paying for it? And like, not yeah. that it feels like a job, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like I could be doing other things and saving money and saving at, the same, money. at the same time. <laughs> uh, but anyway, those people are Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Carlos Rodella, Gory B Movie. Max Zaleski, Aaron Meyer, Bob Voorhees, and Kevin Nesgoda. Thank you so much, guys, from the bottom of our cold, dead hearts. 
Um, every every little cent means the world to us. So uh, thank you. Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. You can get perks for as little as $1, including tickets to the Graveplot Film Fest 2021. Uh, I already sent out the coupon codes for that. So if you are a Patreon patron, make sure you head over to Patreon, get your code, pick up your ticket. If you are not a Patreon patron, you can still get tickets by going to graveplotfilmfest.com and clicking the button that says, get this, buy tickets. <laughs> On sale now. The button doesn't say that, but no, the button just says buy tickets. <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for a button that says on sale now, you're not going to find it. <laughs> it may be on the website somewhere, but listen here, it's not a button. No, <laughs> it's to the right. It's right below another button that I don't remember what it says. Oh God, we're throwing buttons at them now. <laughs> They're going to get confused. Oh, it's right under the film freeway button. By uh, the way, submissions are still open if you want to submit your film. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Through the end of the month. Yep. You need to start watching those. I do. We do. Oh, I've I've watched a handful of them. Uh, I was just, I was gonna like try to get a jump on it and just start plugging away, and then you know things got so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> things be crazy. We still need to find one more judge too. I don't even remember who our judges are. I know Silas is one. Who's the other one? Let's go to. No, he's a jury Jur- ah. juror juror juror. Do we have more than one judge? We do. <laughs> Uh, all right anything else oh it's bob sorry bob we love you bob bob foster from city of geek he's new so (laughs) he's a new guy (laughs) this is his first year as a judge and we we appreciate him we appreciate him is that why we appreciate it? Is that, what, is that what you appreciate about me? Okay. Man, I just got really tired. Good. <laughs> let's let's scrap the rest of those. We're done. Man, I was while I was driving here, I had my sunglasses on. And I was like, man, my my it, it was bright and then it stopped being bright. But like I was like, it makes it so dark and it makes me kind of dozy. And I was like, dozy? That's not a word. Doozy? <laughs> What the fuck am I trying to say? <laughs> and then like 10 minutes later, I'm like, drowsy. <laughs> Sitting in the car, just like, yep. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> okay. Let's get refocused here. Center our chi. And let's do some horror business. Okay, so starting out in real-world horror, you know, you may not be into fashion, but let me tell you something. The fashion industry is cutthroat, guys. If you're not, uh, you know, revolutionizing the way people wear a shirt, then you're fucking dead. Nobody cares. You're out. If you're not growing, you're dying. There ain't no third direction. There it is. Tom Callahan. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so uh, you know, designers are always trying to find you know new ways to, um, you know, design the simplest things: shirts and pants, 
uh, you know, trying to find new patterns that, that'll, you know, say, hey, look at me, that kind of thing. And some, like, have you watched fashion shows for any amount of time? I mean, I've seen, like, highlights of people walking runways and stuff. I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched a fashion show. No. Okay, but it's like so many of those, these clothes are clearly not designed to be worn. No. And I don't understand why. Like, right. Why are you making stuff that people are not going to wear? Right. Where, where's the science in that? Right. With, like, you know, giant shoulder pads that go over their head and <laughs> shit. And it's like, what is this? Yeah. This isn't functional. It's like, do I wear that to a late dinner? Or to a football game. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, the next step, apparently, human skin, guys. What? <laughs> yes, Taylor. <laughs> what? Uh, London, a London-based designer uh, who is asked to be unnamed, uh, apparently has a specialty in macabre fashion, uh, and he's trying to uh, wrangle up a tissue donation. She, I believe. Yes, you are correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, she is looking to uh, partner up with a tissue no- donation organization or a bariatric clinic. Those, For those of you at home, that's a place where, you know, once they suck the fat out of you and you've got all this floppy skin, then they cut the skin off. So they got skin. They got. You need skin. We got skin. They got skin Come on down to skin town. <laughs> skin a- palace. Asterix, not they a strip club. <laughs> not a strip club. <laughs> um, she's trying to partner up with these places so she can purchase human skin to be made into Halloween leather face masks. Oh, so she's not. Oh, so she's making masks. She's not making clothing. Right. Got it. The thing is, the the article puts a space in between leather and face. So I don't know if it's like leather face TM or just like leather face masks. Well, I mean. Leather. Regardless of how you break it down, it's pretty much the same thing. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the beautiful thing about being a a leather face is that when you're you're killing people, you've constantly got a a new face. Oh, yeah. You're just making faces. Always changing it up for fashion. (laughs) Uh, She had an agreement with a bariatric surgery patient. Um, Okay. So I wonder how many masks she was planning to make. Uh, However, this partnership has since, uh, you know, fallen apart. She said she's willing to pay a legitimate supplier 10,000 pounds for 10 pounds of skin. A lot of skin. That is a lot of skin. Did you know that your skin is the largest organ in your body? I did actually. So that's roughly uh thirteen thousand one hundred and eighty one dollars and sixty five United States dollars. Good old American dollars, the only real money. <laughs> we went to Vancouver for uh for our uh, anniversary last year, <clears throat> um, you know, we dealt mostly in you know debit cards and credit cards and stuff, but we did go to an ATM once uh, just to take out. My, I forget exactly why we took it out, but you know, we got a handful of bills. It's just like holding the stuff. It's like, how am I supposed to take this seriously? It, like, it, 
It's like at least half plastic. And it's got it feels like plastic to the touch. It's just like this does not feel like money. <laughs> like I don't get it. Why is this dollar blue? <laughs> and there's kids playing hockey on the back. <laughs> it's like you don't want us to take you seriously. And it, I mean I, I know that's like I think uh British pounds are the same, like actual physical bills. They're, they're plastic as well. And I think euros even. So pretty much, I think we're the only ones that use like this like paper-like well, Yeah, they material. probably come over here and they're like, this is paper. Right. This feels so cheap. I could rip this. <laughs> I wipe my ass with this. <laughs> um, But yeah, I don't know. Different strokes, Also, what's a yard? <laughs> um, it's like a meter, but more complicated. <laughs> Uh, a Soport, which is a site that connects small and medium fashion brands and clothing manufacturers. Uh, a spokesman from there said, um, we've had some bizarre and quirky requests come through the platform in the past, but this one has to take the crown. After speaking with the designer, it's obvious that she's incredibly passionate about her art, and although it may be a little stomach-curdling, it's all above board. I mean, once you, you know, uh, treat and, you know, tan human skin. Basically leather. Yeah, I mean, it's not much different. I mean, you know, people do that with pig skin. And I think on a on a um, molecular level or something, like our skin is very similar to pig skin, which is why they use it for um, skin grafts, mm. or at least they used to. I don't know if they still do or not, but. Um, so yeah, I mean, once, once you tan a human hide, I can't imagine it's much different. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds weird, but I mean, it, it is weird. It's weird. It is. But she, there, like, she must either know or believe that there's a market for it. If she's willing to pay 10,000 pounds for 10 pounds of skin, like that's a thousand pounds I mean, per if pound. You sh- if you show up This is why we shouldn't call money pounds. This is complicated. This is confusing. <laughs> Yeah, you can't pay 10,000 pounds for 10 pounds of skin. That doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to pay for a, pa- pay, a pound, pay a pound for a pound. So you're basically paying $1,300 a pound. Right. So like I said, she must believe there's a market for it. I guess. I won't buy one. I don't want to wear that. No, I don't want somebody's face on my face. <laughs> But, I mean, you're going to be the talk of the town when you show up to your Halloween party. It's true. It's like, oh, I like that mask. Is that, uh, is that, is that real leather? This is actually human ass. <laughs> uh, I'm ass face. Fear me. <laughs> So, speaking of Leatherface, uh, for those of you who haven't heard, there's a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, reboot, remake, whatever the fuck, coming out from producer Fide Alvarez, written by Chris Thomas Devlin. But the story here is that Chris Thomas Devlin has also written a new movie called Video Nasty. Uh, This is something he wrote on spec and sold to Lionsgate. 
So they are now starting production on that, and it's being produced by Seth Rogen. Oh. Insert the Seth Rogen laugh right here. <laughs> Probably not going to do that. Of course not. You never go back and actually answer the things you say you're going to answer. I didn't say I was going to answer That was why he had the music queued up this time, because he knew if he tried to insert it later, he would forget. And it would just be this weird, awkward silence. And then he'd be like, you know what that is? And people would be like, what what is? There's nothing there. It's silence. <laughs> well, and also, These guys are idiots. What was I supposed to do? Just be like, here, just pretend that we're playing Gonna Fly now right now. Yeah, you've done it before. <laughs> That's a lie. You're making that up. He's making this up. <laughs> Uh, Video Nasty is the story of three teens who rent a cursed VHS and are pulled into an 80s slasher movie that threatens to trap them forever. So kind of like Final Girls? I was going to say, like, yeah, like Final Girls, yeah. Okay. I mean, sure. That was fun. I'll watch another one. Yeah. Could be cool. Uh, This is being produced, like I said, by Seth Rogen, as well as Evan Goldberg, who, if you recognize that name, it's because that was um, Michael Sarah's character in Superbad. Yep. And Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are a a duo that made movies such as Superbad. Yeah, well, I mean, they've been like they made uh, Preacher. Like, yeah, they, they yep. produced that. Um, and others. <laughs> uh, they have a production company called Point Gray, which is the the company that will be producing this, along with some some other people. Uh, Jonathan Levine, who directed. Uh, Seth Rogen films such as 5050 the night before and long shot is in talks to come and not only direct but also produce but as of yet there is no deal in place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, um I'm I'm assuming this is a comedy. I mean it's like that premise sounds very comedy. Yeah, I don't know how I'd be able to take it seriously if it wasn't a comedy. Like you said, it sounds a lot like Final Girls, which was a comedy. Yeah. I mean, if you do this, I mean, it's like it's like Pleasantville. I mean, like how would they how would they possibly do that? It's like a whole this fish out of water thing. Like, how is that ever done? Not as a comedy. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing. I'm just saying it's like this. This has to be a comedy. I don't see any of the other avenue for it. Yeah, and we're like we're not just saying that because Seth Rogen is attached. Like it, the the premise genuinely sounds like a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Devlin is also writing the the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre as well as a movie called Cobweb again for Lionsgate, which I don't think I I, kn- I know I've heard of it, but I can't think of what it's about. I'm not familiar. Yep. All right. So uh, no word on, yet on casting or anything like that, but. Uh, I, or when they plan on going into production, but you know, probably not anytime soon. <laughs> not in California, anyways, unless yeah. they're going to like fucking Bangladesh or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like you know, they're, they're they tried to get things going again. You know, with these really strict filming um, parameters, uh, but it's like now without. Uh, with everything like escalating like to a point where it's worse than it was when it started, um, like I feel like a lot of these productions are going to shut down again. I would think, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like uh, just uh, the other night I was watching um, Supernatural. It's the second to last episode, which is strange because it seemed like it was the last episode. <laughs> 
But there's one next week, so I'm not sure where that's going. Series finale. Uh, everything seemed to be very wrapped up. But, you know, they were filming their final season uh, back in, like, February, beginning of March, and then everything shut down. And they're, you know, filming this up in, in B.C. Um, and so they had to come back in September, I think, and film the last two episodes of the season. And you can definitely tell watching these episodes, the production style is very different. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so much stuff films in Vancouver. And like you said earlier, they're they're in total lockdown right now. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's my point. It's like, you know, all these shows like CW, I'm thinking mainly, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at trying to get their production started again to start airing episodes early next year. And at this point, that might not happen either. <laughs> So, anyway, we'll see how things go for Video Nasty. <laughs> you nasty. You nasty, Ruxin. You nasty. Yeah, so we haven't mentioned this yet, but this episode is actually kind of like our uh, like salute uh, to Shudder. Kind of. A little bit. I think we've probably done two movies on Shudder before, but yeah, I, think, like, I think these are both Shudder exclusives, that, though. That's the thing. Yeah, they're both Shudder exclusives. Um, so, but... Uh, Shudder, yes. <laughs> give us money. <laughs> Please. Please give us money. We're so poor. <laughs> We already, uh, we already plug you so fucking much. <laughs> Just give us money. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so slash, uh, so Shutter, um, you know, when in, in their inception were just strictly, well, not strictly, but mostly movies. But since then, they've really moved into their own of having um, shows. You know, the Creep Show, Joe Bob, um, and, uh, that that Eli Roth show? No, that's not Shutter. Yeah, it is. Is it? Is it? I don't know. Actually, I might be wrong. The core was on Shutter. Yeah, I, there's a couple of like foreign ones on there too. Yeah, and you know, little you know one offs. I don't know if it's like shows they actually considered to, you know making multiple seasons. Channel Zero. Well, that was originally sci-fi, but uh, actually, I guess they did, they did do their last season. I on think Shutter, I think right? their last season moved Shutter exclusively. <clears throat> Cursed films. Point is, Shudder is making their own TV shows. Um, and podcasts, which is weird. Really? Yeah. What? What are we? Chop liver? Some kind of fucking hideous fucking chud? <laughs> <clears throat> um, I want to, I really want to go on, uh, if you're listening, Adam Peacock, I really want to go on My Neighbors Are Dead. I think we could just fucking kill that. Sure, yeah. We're funny. We are funny. We're funny guys. <laughs> they just did a whole month of uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Really? Yeah. Damn. Damn, Turkle Dog. Um. Okay. Anyway, so Damn, the point Daniel. is, back at it with the white vans. <laughs> what? It's from Good Place, but I think it's a reference to something else. I don't remember that. Anyway. <clears throat> So the point is, Shudder 
has we'll uh, get there. <laughs> resume has bought the uh, rights to uh, the the TV show Slasher, which uh, see that was originally a, on a Canadian sh- channel, right? Like, Chiller, Chiller, yeah. which I guess like, that wasn't Canadian necessarily, was it? Was it? it was, I was like, don't know. AT and T or something. Anyway, so it was, it was originally a chiller show, and then I think it went to Netflix, right? Yeah, I think season three was on Netflix, I think. And then, I don't know, I, I kind of thought it was done. I hadn't heard yeah, anything about it Yeah, that was the impression I was under. But apparently a new season is going to be showing on It was on by NBC. Uh, chiller? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's weird that it wasn't on, like, Comcast then. Um, because you know, <laughs> NBC is owned by Comcast, which is then owned by Shine Hardwick Company. <laughs> Proud to be one of America's nine companies. Um, I gotta get my focus here. New season of Slasher. This is gonna be the third or fourth season? Fourth. Sure? Yes. Okay. Well, fourth season of Slasher. Shutters teamed up with an award-winning production company, Shaftsbury. <laughs> Shaft. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> to make a brand new eight-episode installment of the series. Slasher Flesh and Blood will stream exclusively on the horror platform Shutter in the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand in 2021. Shutter will also be the streaming home for Flesh and Blood in Canada, the U.K., and Ireland following its linear premieres in those countries. Oh, oh, so Shudder is coming to those countries. No, it's saying it's going to be on TV there. And then after it does its TV run, then it will stream on Shudder. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, the series- season one, The Executioner. Season two, Guilty Party. Season three, Solstice. Season four, Flesh and Blood. Solstice. That was the one. It took place in like an apartment building or something. I think it, I think that was the Netflix season. I don't know that I've seen that one. I have not seen it. I have only seen the first two seasons. Yeah, the, I saw the 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 executioner, and mm-hmm. the one that that took place in like a, a cabin, uh, like a ski, uh, ski lodge or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess that yeah. was uh, that was that was guilty party. Huh. All right. Well, <clears throat> production is now underway in Ontario. Uh, Flesh and Blood follows a wealthy but dysfunctional family gathering for a reunion on a secluded island. Their old wounds and competitive rivalries, 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 I lost my place. Competitive rivalries flare up when their family realizes a masked killer is on the island, intent on cruelly picking them off one by one. Kind of sounds like you're next on an island. Kind of sounds like, yeah, like you're next mixed with Club Dread. Yes. Apt. (laughs) Uh, David Cronenberg has joined the cast. Uh, what? <laughs> you can't just drop that casually like that. <laughs> you, like David Cronenberg. Heard of him? <laughs> I always like him as an actor. He just plays a, a good creep. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, which will also... Con- uh, so he's... David Cronenberg has joined the cast for the season which will also continue the show's trend of bringing back cast members in new roles. Oh, 
other people, not him. Not him. Like no. He hasn't been in another season. Uh, returning from previous seasons are Paula Brancati, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Grigrich. Gurdovich? Grigrich. Gradovich. Yep. Christopher and Christopher. When there's, when there's three consonants in a row, you can just put whatever vowels you want there. <laughs> you, it could be Grievich. Grievich. Grudovich. <laughs> and Christopher Jacket. Uh, their new faces, the new faces this year include Rachel Crawford from Heartland, Ginny and Goosen from The Walking Dead, Sidney Meyer from Departure, and El- Alex Ozerov from The Americans. The Americans. The Americans. Silly Americans. <laughs> cool. I like Slasher. I mean, like, um, I really liked The Executioner. That was a good season. Yeah. Um, and, uh, was it, uh, the second, what was the second one called? Guilty Party. That was pretty good too. Not as good as the first one. Yeah. Now that I know that there's a third one, I have to check that out, but I wonder where. Netflix. Is it, is it still on Netflix? Yes. I just looked. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, this was. Back in a time where there wasn't a lot of variety for horror TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now we have Shudder. Um, but back then it was like it was like Walking Dead, and that was like all you really had as far as horror TV. Yeah, American Horror Story. Sure, yeah. But that's that show's really polarizing. It is. It is like pretty much every season. People either really like it or really hate it. Um I mean, I've expressed my opinions on it. This isn't even what we're talking about, but I always get really into it for about four episodes. Yeah. And then I just check out. Yeah. I, I did the exact same thing with this. Was it this past season with the, the, the slasher? Like the 80s slasher? I think that's the, the most recent one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like that. that's my shit, man. I yeah. love 80s slashers. And, um, you know, I started out strong. Watch it. I watched like probably the first half of the season. And then I just, I don't know, got busy, I guess, and just like <laughs> like lost interest. Who who is the writers on that? Like, does Murphy write it, or do they have like a team of writers? Uh, I mean, he may be involved with the story in some respect, but I don't think he's one of the writers. It always feels like the the story like mutates over the the course of the season, like. A new writer comes in and is just like, yeah, I'm not doing all that slasher shit. Let's talk about ghosts. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of always been the, the, the basis. The things just kind of get... Like, you think the, the show's going one direction for most of the season, and then it just totally shifts gears. I think they've done that almost every season. Well, see, that's what makes me check out every season. Fair enough. But it's like... Because it usually doesn't make sense. It's not like a logical progression. It's just like, okay, now all of a sudden it's, you know, like it's a slasher, but now it's supernatural. Yeah. Well, it's like... Now now we're talking about aliens. I think, yeah, the most egregious one was, I think, the second season, uh, Asylum, where it's like people will swear up and down that that's like the best season. And I don't get it at all because I think that's... It's the worst. It's one of the worst. It's not as bad as Freak Show. Freak Show kind of sucked see i really liked freak show again until about halfway through which is interesting because that's when nph showed up and right. you really like him all right i was like oh sweet nph is gonna be on there and i never watched it because i just didn't care by that point yeah um 
But uh, we're just in a conversation about American Horror Story now. Um, They they announced their new, well, teasing their new season recently. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Can't really get a grip. Well, apparently it's going to be an anthology, which is interesting. Like each episode? Yeah. It's going to be, was like 18? Wait, that's the American Horror Stories. That's the spinoff. There's... We've talked about this. Did we? Yeah. I mean, we talk about a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, because there's a new season of American Horror Story, and then there's American Horror Stories coming out. That's anthological. Oh. I've heard the new season is going to be about sirens. I have no idea if that's true or not. But that's what I've read. It's like sea sirens? Yeah. Not just like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's not scary. <laughs> it could be. Unless they do like Siren Head. Have you seen that thing? No. It's fucked up. But it could be scary. Because fuck the police. Sure, yeah. Look up Siren Head. It's fucked up. It's like uh kind of it's kind of like a creepy pasta, but different. What the damn hell? Right. It kind of looks like it's gonna go, <laughs> but it doesn't. Anyway, huh? Yeah, it, like it's it's like creepy pasta, but it's 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 something different it's like a it's like the kmart version of creepypastas or something <laughs> the store brand creepypastas anyway so slasher slasher coming at you to sh- at, uh, on shutter just a reminder this is not a paid advertisement but just get fucking shutter it's six dollars a month and it's so worth it we just watched two shutter originals that's like thirty dollars worth <laughs> that's a that's a lot of money. Yeah, and we paid six dollars instead. I mean, no, like thirty dollars for two movies. That's a lot. I, well, I mean, if they were like brand new, it'd be fourteen ninety nine. I don't think so. It probably wouldn't be, but <laughs> I'm trying to. It's a pitch. Right? What I'm saying, what I'm saying is that uh, if you rent a movie, it's usually like five, six, seven bucks. Uh, That's a month of Shutter. Yeah, you can watch so many movies, and you watch Joe Bob, and you watch Slasher. Yeah, it's eventually. Fucking A. Basically, what I'm trying to say is Shudder, our DMs are open. <laughs> just just slide right in. It's oh so quiet. It's oh so still. You're all alone. So back in August, I want to say. We were supposed to get A Quiet Place Part 2. Weren't we originally supposed to do that in like April or something? It's very possible. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's been pushed at least twice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're still waiting on that. Uh, as of right now, it's set for April 23rd, 2021. Knock on wood. We'll see. Sorry. Nope. Sorry. Hey, we don't knock on wood in this house. <laughs> that's why you're so unlucky. <laughs> But Paramount has greenlit a third Quiet Place film. Hmm. From the sounds of it, though, it doesn't quite sound like it's going to be a linear sequel, more of a uh, shared universe kind of thing. Of course it is. Uh, This is going to be written and directed by Jeff Nichols, who directed Midnight Special. Do you know what that is? 
I feel like I do. I feel like it's a John Travolta cowboy movie, but <laughs> I feel like it's a really cool CCR song. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, the the storyline is based on a on an original idea by John Krasinski, aka uh, Fat Helper. <laughs> Krasinski, of course, wrote and directed the first two movies, uh, with uh, based on a story by the guys who made some of the Saw movies. You know, those fucking guys. Um, Krasinski is on board to produce this third movie, uh, along with Michael Bay, Andrew Form, and Brad Fuller. <laughs> Not so much, but a little less. Still, still kind of. <laughs> you know, reading this, I'm surprised that... Uh, Platinum dudes is still around. I kind of <laughs> forgot they existed, which is good. Yeah, because I hate Blumhouse more now. Like production companies <laughs> are like referees. Like the best ones, you don't notice they're there. Right. Not saying that Platinum News is the best. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is they haven't fucked up enough for me to notice lately. Being an obscure production company is a good thing, <laughs> unless you're like single shred films. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like I said, uh, you know, I used to hate Platinum Dunes with a passion. Oh, I remember. Like, it burned with the fires of hell, like, deep inside me. Uh, Kept you up at night. Yeah. Just wake up screaming. <laughs> Bay! It's true, I did. <laughs> but now, that hatred... Has been replaced, or you know, like now that's directed towards Blumhouse. So, like Platinum Dunes, it's like it ain't no thing. <laughs> we cool, we cool. I mean, Michael Bay, as long as he stays out of the directing chair, fine, whatever. You can write checks, I don't care. Yeah, and it, like we just came up on Friday the Thirteenth, so as I do watch at least one Friday the Thirteenth movie, I opted to pick um, the remake, or like I think I watched about three quarters of it just because like I already had it like I didn't have to go put the disc in and I already had it sh- available to stream <clears throat> and it's like you know that was a platinum dunes movie and I was really uh apprehensive about it when it came out um but in the 11 years since it came out it's Oof. like I know <laughs> uh it's just like uh, I mean this uh, we've we said this on the show before like of those you know, mid two thousands uh remakes, that was like the the best of the bunch. Yeah, the most like true to form. But and it was Platinum Dunes. Um, you know, Michael Bay, uh or Bay, Fuller, and Form were all involved. Um and it it was okay. It was fine. Production companies are at their best and, and you know this applies to Blumhouse too. They're at their best when they put the people in charge and then just let them go. Be like, all right, you're the you're the director, you're the writer, you guys know what you're doing. Here's a check. See you in a year. Yeah. And um God, was it just watching or somebody was talking about like an exact thing? Fuck. I was just I was like watching like an like an interview or something with a filmmaker. Who's talking about 
God damn it, what was it? Was it the guy who made the film Sunset Dreams? <laughs> no. Although, I mean, have you seen Sunset Dreams? No. <laughs> now, I can't remember who it was or what what they were talking about specifically, but there, there was this, you know, studio studio head that well, like wanted to get involved with every like every little picture that he was work, that he was involved with. He wanted to be hands on and you know dictate how everything was going. And he just ultimately ended up fucking up these movies because you know people were going over budget or you know over schedule or, or something. And so he just was like getting too involved in fucking up these movies. And this director said, "Hey, maybe maybe what we do is you just give me the money, and I make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to." And I turned the movie in on time, and ahead of you know, in you know, on schedule and under budget, and you just leave it alone. And I guess that's what this guy did. And he turned in this you know this movie, and it made a bunch of money. And the guy's like, okay, well, we can try that going forward. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing with sports. Like when you always see teams whose owners are constantly interfering and in shit, they're always bad teams. Next. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But when they, you know, they hire a good professional uh, um, president of whatever sport operations, and they hire a good general manager who hires a good coach, and then you just get out of the way and let the people who have basketball minds or whatever sport minds do their job. Suddenly, the team gets good. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> Funny how when the people who you pay to do their job are able to do their jobs unhindered, things typically go well, like the CDC. There you go. You got it. Anyway. I do. Uh, I, I just got this alert on my phone that I feel like we we have to b- break in on here. Breaking news? Uh, the man who assaulted Rick Moranis is in custody. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, fuck that guy. Good. F- fry him. Put him in the chair. <laughs> just let all the Ghostbusters just get one <laughs> shot. I say we, say we hang him, then we tattoo him, and then we kill him. I say we let him go. No! It's <laughs> a little Pee Wee Herman for you guys. Classic, classic movie. Um, Okay. Anyways, A Quiet Place 3 or A Quiet Place Expanded Universe film uh, set for 2022. I feel like they're putting the cart against the cart in front of the horse, though. Like, the second one you has... You don't know even, how good part two is going to yeah, be. Yeah, is the second one even going to be worth a shit? I, I don't, this doesn't feel like a expanded universe necessary film yeah, to me. Like, it's, what are you going to do? Have the same story with a different family? Right, exactly. do And I think that's... Before we knew that this was going to be like a continuation of the same family from the first movie... Part two, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think we talked about this exact same thing. Yeah. So I like, think that was what Krasinski originally wanted, was it to be like almost anthological. Right. And it's just like, I mean, it's the same thing that's going to happen to different people. It's not going to be different enough for me to give a shit. Walking Dead, another thing. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've got on tirades about that. It's the same fucking show. Like, oh, Fear the Walking Dead started before the outbreak. It's like, great, but now they're up to speed now, and it's the same fucking show. Yeah. And I care as little about it as I do the original <laughs> one. Anyway, I just announce it. Like, if this was like a tried and true franchise, like if they had already put out two movies or three movies and they'd all been like money makers and they said, okay, well, we're going to announce the next two sequels. 
it's like, okay, that's fine. I mean, it's it's a little, you know, bold, but sure. Yeah. But putting out, putting out, or announcing a sequel to a film that has a sequel that's not even out yet. I don't know. That's a little much. A Quiet Place 3, keeping up with the Joneses. <laughs> Never laugh as a hearse goes by For you may be the next to die They wrap you up in bloody sheets To drop you six feet under Okay, so I, last year Scary Stories came out? It was last year and also eight years ago. Right. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm pretty sure 2020 is some kind of uh, vortex. Paradox. Paradox. Or like... It's like the Ouroboros, where the snake is eating its own ass. Yeah. This, this year is just eating its own is ass. just us eating our own asses. <laughs> eating our own asses, eating each other's asses. There's just so much I ass eating. Ass. <laughs> Seriously, 2020 is like the year of ass eating. Like Everyone's talking about eating ass this year. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> Have you tried eating ass, Taylor? No comment. <laughs> well, then... <laughs> Not the response I was expecting. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Scary Stories 2 came, or Scary Stories came out at some point. <laughs> we don't know when. <laughs> some point in the past decade. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Troll Hunter <laughs> director uh, Andre Uvreldal, um, who also directed the fantastic. Uh, Autism of Jane Doe. Autopsy. Autism of Jane Doe. <laughs> That's what I said. He said autism. So it was kind of in between. Yep. <laughs> the autopsy of Jane Doe. Yep. That's the one. Because <laughs> autism, not a word. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so he directed it. It was produced by uh, GDT. Um, you cocksucker. Uh, recently announced was this, uh, the upcoming sequel. I mean, again, who knows when it's actually going to get made. But uh, over it all, I was telling Collider's Witching Hour, uh, I learned so much on Scary Stories, but also about Scary Stories. Wait, what? I learned so much on Scary Stories, but also, also about, about Scary, scary stories. stories. Oh, God. Okay. I, I, I get it. I get it. You got that. Okay. okay. <laughs> And I do think that we'll tap even more into Stephen Gamble's visual world in the sequel than we did in the first movie. Good. I feel like there that was represented, but not well. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it seemed a little cheesy. Like every time they tried to... Uh, wrap in you know, the, the artwork of Stephen Gamble in, in one way, one form or another. It just it came across cheesy. Yeah. Um, so uh, production-wise, we're in a holding pattern. There As is the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, but not really because we're just developing the story in the script, which is also... Oh, wait. Production-wise, we're in a holding pattern, but not really because we're just developing the script. This is one of those things where it's like 
Production-wise, we're in a holding pattern, but not really because we're just developing the story and the script, which is a time-consuming process because there's no point in making a sequel to the to that movie unless it's elevated and it's great and it's ideally better than the first movie. I'll say that. Yeah. But you were taking forever. So Fuck just... you. What I'm saying is just like, this is one of those things where when you uh, directly, you know, write down what somebody says and it doesn't quite read what, right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, the holding pattern, but not really, is kind of... Yeah. It's not really good English. So, yeah, basically, he says, you know... We're in a holding think, pattern, but we're working. Right. Yeah, we can't film anything, but things are going on behind the scenes. Um, he says, uh, we have a great new story and some fun, scary stories implemented in a good way. I'm very excited about the sequel. Uh, he's coming back to direct the sequel. Uh, Screenplay is written by Dan and Kevin Hagerman from a screen story... By Del Toro, based on the books. This is a lot of, like, based on, adapted from, written by. It's uh, one thing about fucking Hollywood. Is it's like, it's written by these guys, based on a screenplay by this guy, inspired by a story by this guy. It's like, why doesn't the first guy just write the fucking thing? <laughs> I hate how fake Hollywood is, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. So Del Toro apparently wrote a story based on screenplay. Gary story stories books, and then the Hagermans wrote the script from the story. Had to reverse engineer it there. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I hope it's better than the first one. The first one was like, I don't know, like eating. It wasn't bad, but it was disappointing. Yeah, it's it's like I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed. <laughs> it was like eating. Uh, ass <laughs> yeah you think it's gonna be so adventurous and then once you get into it it's just like oh this isn't what i was hoping for <laughs> you're just like wait this is i'm eating ass like, <laughs> why did i think this would be enjoyable <laughs> it's not a good metaphor i don't think that actually applies to the movie at all <laughs> eating ass rarely applies to anything other than eating ass <laughs> except this year Except you know, when we're all eating each other's asses. <laughs> um, yeah, th- I mean, the first one, <sighs> technically, there was nothing wrong with it. It's just it wasn't it wasn't good. It, it was this like weird in between if it was supposed to be a kids movie or an adult movie. Yeah, it was filmed like it was supposed to be an adult movie, but the story was very right. Children or child? What's the word? Childish. Sure. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I, I hope that it's, it's better, but I mean, you're ultimately dealing with the same, uh, source material. It's the same team. Yeah. So I can't imagine much is going to change. I don't, I don't know. know. Like I still want, like, I want to see it, but like the first one I was like, fuck yeah, scary stories telling the dark movie injected into my veins. Right. This one, I'm just like, yeah, when it, you know, comes out on VOD, I'll check it out. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, it's like I when it, when it, before it came out, I was really hoping for like an anthology, and then it kind of you know bef- I think before we saw it, it was like okay, well, it's not going to be an anthology. That's a little bit disappointing. And then you know, actually seeing it, going in with high hopes, and just ultimately being kind of let down. Right. So, uh, I mean, yeah, like like you said, uh, I give it a I give it a shot when it comes out on VOD, but I can't really see myself 
running out to the theater when they when they reopen uh, to see it, like I did with the first one. Yeah, same here. So, but uh, although we did get to see it for free, did we? Did we? Yeah, we got one of the like free screeners, one of the like uh, advanced screener things. Did we? I don't remember that. I did. <laughs> maybe you didn't. Did we go I together? We, I, th- I thought we did, but maybe we didn't. I feel like I went with my wife. Maybe we didn't. Maybe it was just me. I just went by myself. Loser. <laughs> Nobody loves you. <laughs> I guess I'll go eat worms. <laughs> I'll go eat ass. <laughs> <laughs> So Neil Marshall, who whose credits include uh, The Reckoning, The Descent, Dog Soldiers, Doomsday, Hellboy, is returning to horror with a movie called The Lair. Uh, he says, I'm making something scary as hell, pulse pounding, and great fun. Bold words. Uh, he's going to write, direct, and produce. Uh, this film is currently out to cast and has been earmarked for a spring production start. Again, we'll see about that. Uh, the story centers on a downed Royal Air Force pilot who's who escapes a terrifying bunker in Af- Afghanistan containing mutant man-made biological weapons and unwittingly brings the creatures back to a U.S. Army base. Okay. So the, wait, the I'm people both. are the weapons? Mutant man-made biological weapons. Uh, I don't, maybe it's like a virus or something. But it says the creatures. I'm just picturing like the hills have eyes, but like they're. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they must be so some kind of mutant man-made biological weapons, <laughs> some, kind, some kind of mutant super soldier or something. <clears throat> a biological weapon, yeah. Maybe it's a virus or something that they they're hosts of. Or yeah, I mean, like God, wasn't that like in Return of the Living Dead? Wasn't trioxin? Wasn't that supposed to be like a biological weapon? I believe so. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. Or at least, I mean, Resident Evil, at least in the movies, it was supposed to be a biological weapon, I believe. The T-Virus. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember if the movie is different than the game. I haven't watched the movies in so long. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway. Um, yeah, Tony loves The Descent. <laughs> I want to I wanna go on record saying I don't like The Descent. I, I hope I never have to watch it again. I'm not familiar with The Reckoning. Uh, I don't think I am either. But Dog Soldiers was dope. Was dope. Uh, you can go back and listen to our review if you want. But basically, uh, my whole review boiled down to that like the last act is just fucking chaos and it's amazing. <laughs> uh, but on that topic, Neil Marshall says that there's more of a chance now than ever before of him making a Dog Soldiers 2. Oh, The Reckoning's a new movie. Oh. Well, actually, it might not even be out yet. All right. Cool, cool plot. What is it? Evelyn, a young widow haunted by the recent suicide of her husband, Joseph, is falsely accused of being a witch by her landlord after she rejects his advances. All right. Could be good. 
Uh, Marshall says there's things in the works and we're seeing what we can do. Certainly myself and Kevin McKidd and Chris Fig are up for it to revisit this world over the past British eight names. <laughs> over the past 18 years. The question I get asked pretty much more than anything else is when are we going to get dog soldiers too? Part of me thinks I'd like to go back and revisit that world somehow. And if Kev's up for it, then that would make it worthwhile for sure. So we'll see. You never know. Yeah, I'd be up for another fucking dog shoulders, man. Like as far as, you know, werewolf movies made in the last 20 years or so, there's not like the, the number of shitty ones have greatly outweighed the number of good ones. <laughs> for sure. Um, and, you know, mostly a lot of that has to do with like creature effects. It's like, you know, you, you put a guy, I don't know. Like, it, it, it's hard to, to make a convincing world. I get that. And, you know, especially on a limited budget, you got to, you know, pick pick your battles. But it's like, what were you? We were doing a movie. Um, fuck, what was it? It was a werewolf movie. Uh, Snow Hollow? No. It was an independent one. It was like really low budget. Uh, something Road? Yeah, yeah something Road. I can't remember. I can't remember what, what Bone road. Hill Road or something like that. That sounds right. Anyway, but the one with Quiggles, right? Oh yeah, she was in that. Um. Anyway, so you, you know, we were. I think I talked about that in the review. It's like, you know, I get it. You know, you you, want, you have a small budget and you want to make a kick-ass movie, but it's like you got to work within your means. And it's like if you're going to do these creature effects that don't really look all that good, then just don't do them. Yeah. Um. But you know that doesn't that doesn't stop a lot of people, <laughs> and it's like I feel like there's this inclination to create these giant beasts. You know, it's like it, it you don't have to do that. Yeah, look at the Wolfman, that right. was classic werewolf, like probably the werewolf. You know, it's just a guy in wolf makeup and a plaid shirt. Sure, yeah. Um. So anyway. Uh. But dog soldiers, that was dope. And it was like, another thing is like, you know, the, the inclination is to do so much CGI. And dog soldiers, there's probably some CGI in there, but it was mostly practical, which I appreciate. Um, so if they, I, I'd like to see that again. If, he, if he's serious about doing a sequel, I, don't know, I would be very interested in it. So For sure. There you go. Well, that's going to wrap up horror business. Sure is. You know what that means, Taylor? Tell me, tell me. We're going to talk about some movies. All right, guys. So like we said earlier, if you didn't just skip horror business altogether, some people do. I don't know why. Do they? Probably. <laughs> I feel like I've heard in the past that people will just skip to the reviews or you know only listen to horror business. Sometimes they won't just listen to the whole episode. Which is fine. I mean we get the we get the download anyway. <laughs> I understand skipping all the bullshit at the beginning, but like horror business is like the meat. For personally, like if I'm looking at it like from an unbiased perspective, horror business is like the best part of the show. Usually. Yeah, I agree. But anyway. So today we probably are, filmmakers who are just like bullshit, bullshit. My movie. Right. <laughs> uh, so today we are doing our salute 
to Shudder. Shudder, of course, is the premier... Give us money, give us money, give us money. <laughs> the premier streaming service for all of your horror needs. Like, I don't know. They didn't, they didn't give me a script. <laughs> they didn't give us any copy. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's a, it's a kick-ass streaming service. If you ever heard of Shudder, you know, you're either not listening to us or you just had your head up your, <laughs> your own ass. Just eating it. Just eating it. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's got some you know it's got it's a fair amount of well known movies, and it's also got some kind of obscure ones too, or you know maybe like in my case, like movies you haven't seen in years and maybe forgot about. It's like oh fuck yeah, I'll watch that again. I saw something that was like Netflix is planning to have its own like over the top section of Netflix where it will just play things and you can just watch it at any time. And I'm like oh like Shutter does, oh like like a Netflix TV thing, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, Shudder already does that, and I don't want to watch your fucking random romantic comedy thing. Oh, so Cheese's in this like Netflix movie watching group with some of her friends. They do like a Netflix party, um, and they watched this just awful romantic comedy that I I sat through because I had nothing else to do. But I just because you hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it had um, Rachel Lee Cook and Damon Wayans Jr. Oh, I saw the a trailer for that. It's awful. Yeah. It is like the it it's like a romantic comedy that they play in the background of another movie. Like it's <laughs> it's so just stereotypical and just so cliche and tropey. Let me see if I can uh, go over what the plot is from what I remember. Damon Wayne's is trying to sue a dating an online dating service. Because like uh, you know, like a Twitter or Plenty of Fish or something, or not Twitter, not um, Twitter, uh, <laughs> Tinder, um, or Plenty of Fish, because he's gone on so many dates, and they've all been train wrecks. So he's suing this dating service because he feels like they're false advertising. Uh, and Rachel Lee Cook is his lawyer, and they start to to fall in love or whatever. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, it's like I don't even know if that last part's really super obvious in the trailer, but I could see where it's going. And so she signs up for the site for research, and then so since she's on the site, that nullifies his lawsuit. Oh, and so he drops damn. the lawsuit so they can be together. Oh, that's sweet. That's so pretty. That's fucking dumb. But there's also the scene where the guy, the the CEO or whatever, is like, "Our contract only says that." they will find love because of our site, not through our site. And I'm like, so the fact that she signed up for the site is completely unnecessary. Like they could have said, oh, he found love because of the site, because he's suing us and you're his attorney. Yeah, it's a conflict of interest. Yeah. So they just added this like unnecessary plot point of her signing up for the site and going on random dates. Didn't she get matched with him at one point or something? No. No? Okay. Yeah, he goes on a thousand dates because their guarantee is a thousand dates to find love. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, I mean, I know you you met Cheese through the traditional fashion, but mm-hmm. I met my wife. Like, I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> I met my wife on an online dating service. I honestly don't remember how we got to this, but... Uh, cheese watching Netflix party thing. Oh, because we were talking about Shudder. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Shudder... <laughs> <laughs> Shutter, no, Shutter's awesome. It's six bucks a month. What, is it seven now? Or no, we just went up to six. Yeah. It was five. Okay, it's six bucks a month, and it's got 
I don't I don't want to say hundreds because I don't know if it's hundreds, but they've got a shitload of movies. Uh, you know, it's backed by AMC, so it's not some just little pissant service. You know, it's it's backed by one of the major TV networks. Um, and you know, it's it's got a bunch of awesome movies uh, across the the horror spectrum. Um, a bunch of uh, awesome TV shows. Uh, I mean, my personal favorite is Joe Bob. Like we said, they got old, like classic stuff, and they got newer stuff. They got independent stuff, and they have their their originals. Yeah, and so I mean, that's what we're going to be focusing on today is two Shutter exclusives. They do, they don't, they they do make movies, I think, but mostly what they do is they buy the rights to them and they call them Shutter exclusives. Yeah, and that's what we'll be focusing on today: two movies that are Shutter exclusives, both brand new from this year. Uh, one's called Scare Me. The other's called Spiral, not the upcoming Saw Saw thing, whatever. Um, And not the Adam Green one. Right. It's a different Spiral. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Taylor, which one do you start with? Let's start with Scare Me. Hi. Hi. So what are you running from? Running. Well, this place looks uh, haunted. I'm writing. Oh, really? Me too. So what are you working on? It's kind of a revenge story about werewolves. Have you written anything I've read? I just wrote a book called um, Venus. You wrote Venus. You're a best-selling author. I'm so sorry. This road is actually only for best-selling authors, so I might kick you out. You're not so great. Huh. Your power outage. I'm bored. Let's tell each other scary stories. I have cheese, I have veggie, right? You seem like a fella who might be interested in some scary stories. And you seem correct. Hit me, scare master. So, uh, there's this little boy. <laughs> hear something. Yes. This is the part in the story where the creepy strings kick in. Everything goes into slow motion. Jesus Christ, dude. It's a good story, right? It's just been done like, I don't know, six or seven hundred times. Just because you're the best-selling author doesn't mean you get to school me on the story. Actually, yes, it does. Look at you. You are emasculated. I'm going to get you. Run, Jason! <laughs> no witnesses! Do one of the about dead babies. Like an army of them? You know, they got like little baby hands. They just like, we don't want bottles, we want blood, you know? <laughs> Fred, what are you doing with that poker? This part of the story? All right, so Scare Me is the story of uh, Fred, who is a, he's an actor and a writer. An actor! Yep. That's what he says. He doesn't have to say that. (laughs) But he is, you know, he's struggling. His career is not going very well. So he rents out this cabin to go and try and, you know, get through his writer's block. And he wants to write this big werewolf epic. 
Uh, so he, you know, he heads up there and he's still just having trouble with his rider's block. So he goes for a run and he runs into Fanny. Now, what? Oh, just the Fanny. She played by Aya Cash. Uh, if you've if you've watched the second season of The Boys, uh, she's Stormfront. Oh, just, okay. Just so you know, she also looks like cheese. You think so? Yeah. Maybe it's the hair. The hair for sure. Yeah, a little bit. I can see it. Um, I really want to know if this was deliberate that their names are Freddie and Fanny. Because for those of you that don't know, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae are like the, pretty much the, the big two mortgage companies in America. And also Fred's last name is Banks. Okay. It seems very deliberate, but it honestly could have been just a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, like I don't... I can't like draw a connection to, you know, like there's no home loans satire or anything in it about, yeah, about home loans or banks <laughs> or anything other than his name being banks. But like I said, he's out for a jog and he runs into Fanny and, uh, you know, she says, I'm, I'm also an author. What have you written? And he's like, uh, what a, well, what have you written? <laughs> and she's like, oh, I wrote the most popular horror story of all time. There's a zombie book called Venus. Right. She's like, I don't know. She, I guess she's like a like a modern day Stephen King. I mean, that's kind of the impression I got. I mean, I, I don't think she's written like as much as Stephen King. It seems like Venus is pretty much like her her big opus. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another author you could compare her to. I don't know. I hate to say like, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling or something just made the made money off of this one premise yeah anyway not important um but yeah she, she's you know a, a very big deal and she's clearly not impressed by freddie or fred um she's, she's kind of like a standoffish bitch yeah <laughs> she, she's also renting a cabin up there so she says you know i'm gonna <clears throat> i'm gonna go you can go i don't want to talk to you anymore <laughs> so they go their separate ways uh that night the power goes out and suddenly Fanny comes to Fred's house to, I don't know, just check on him or whatever. Um, I think she just came to see if his power was out as well. Is that what it was? But so they, you know, just get to talking, get to drinking a little wine, spodiotti. And uh, <laughs> Fanny gets this great idea where she's like, hey. A little wine, a little smoke. There's no smoke. There's a little. Uh, <laughs> that's later. Um, Fanny says, hey, you know, I'm a horror writer. You're a horror writer. I got this great idea. Let's tell each other scary stories and see who can scare the other one. That's what grown-ups do. <laughs> um, and then that's literally just the rest of the movie. Yeah. You know... So Freddie starts telling her the story of um, his werewolf epic. He says, you know, it's about a kid who uh, his parents are killed by werewolves and he gets revenge. She's like, what's the story? He's like, I just told you the story. (laughs) He's like, no, that's an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like basically the whole thing is like, they're not just like, you know, you know, it was a dark and stormy night. Now that kind of shit. They're actually like, like engaging each other and like involving in each other's stories and like they're acting it out and like pantomiming things. Yeah. You know through the entire movie, you're kind of almost expecting it to turn into 
you know, whatever story that they're talking about, like maybe, or not, not even necessarily that, but that it's going to like turn into something else where like, oh, there's a killer outside the cabin, you know, trying to get in or something like that. And it never turns into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I read the premise, I thought it was going to be an anthology. Yeah. I thought it would be, you know, as they told the scary stories, we would get a, you know, pan to, mm-hmm. and then someone, it would be people acting out the stories. But yeah, it literally, the movie is just us watching them telling each other the stories. But like Tony said, they're, they're acting it out and it's not just, you know, one person sits while the other person talks. They, they get up and they engage each other and it's, they, they bounce ideas off each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it actually is, it's more entertaining than it sounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, once I kind of like realized like, oh. So it's just going to be them literally sitting in this cabin telling each other scary stories. But once I saw how it was playing out, I'm like, oh, this this actually works. This, this is a good idea. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the way it's presented is kind of fun because, you know, you kind of, you get these glimpses into their own, kind of like how they're processing these stories, like, you know, when when Fred's telling this werewolf story, at one point, you know, he's talking about how the werewolf is, like, reaching out. And you actually see, like, this werewolf hand, mm-hmm. like, reaching out. And it's like, it's not actually there. It's just demonstrating what he's talking about in the story. But one thing about this movie is it keeps you guessing. It's like, is that actually happening? Or is this just part of the story that they're telling? Yeah, because there's like parts where she'll say, you know, oh, the phone rings, and you'll hear a phone ring, mm-hmm. but then she'll just pantomime picking up a phone. Right. Yeah, and you know, like uh, at one point, like a, like a, they're talking about, um, uh, like this un, like it's like a like an undead dog or something, and like she talks about how like the the dog like opens the house door, and then like the door opens when she says that. And it's like that's the kind of thing that keeps you guessing about through the through this entire movie. It's yeah. Like, fuck, is there actually ghosts or what's going on here? <laughs> um so yeah, I mean it's it's the premise is is fun. Like it it's not it it's it's de- it's got a lot of comic relief in it, so it's not super serious. Um yeah, about like a little more than halfway through uh just you know to kind of keep things fresh, a a pizza guy arrives Mm -hmm. they order some pizza and again like they're they're, like chris red yeah they're they're sitting on the floor i don't remember exactly what they're talking about but you see somebody like come in from come just literally just opens the door and walks in from behind them and it's just this shadowy figure and you're just like oh shit now things are going to go down Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's a slasher in the house and they turn around and it's this this pizza guy carlo (laughs) yeah played by chris red from pop star (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um did you notice he was from overlook mountain pizza company no i didn't catch that yeah it's on the back of his jacket but he uh he knows who fanny is and he's like a big fan of venus so when he, he finds out that they're telling scary stories he decides to hang out for two hours and do some cocaine with them. <laughs> right. it was funny because uh, Fanny's just, they're just like having this conversation. Then Fanny's like, now nah, who wants to do some cocaine? <laughs> but she does it in this like voice where you think she's joking. Right. And then Carlos just like raises his hand and then cut to them <laughs> doing cocaine. Yeah. Just too. chopping it up. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, like I, I don't want to dig too heavily into the different stories that they tell, but 
Um, you know, some of them are kind of goofy. Some of them are a little, little creepier. But it's like the way that they present this, like I said, you know, you, you know you're actually <clears throat> seeing visual representations of the things they're talking about. And it's like it makes you th- at different points during the movie, you know, if they take a break, you know, the pizza shows up, or they're taking a piss, you know, having a beer or whatever. Um, having a cocaine defecation. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you said that. Um, In a bucket, by the way. <laughs> um, there's uh, these points where it's just like you can tell that these stories are getting to them. Well, they're actually starting to get a little creeped out by their by the stories that they're telling. Yeah, because they're starting to see like, like you know. Did they just hear something off in the darkness? You know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I, because it's, it, even though it's not an anthology, it's kind of like one. You can't dig too deeply into the plot. Right. Um, there, like, there's this kind of underlying thing throughout the story where, you know, it's like, whereas Fanny's like the successful author and Fred's the you know, floundering, floundering yeah. one, yeah, struggling. Um, and, you know, he's telling these stories. And she's, through the whole movie, she's writing down in her notebook. And every time she does, he's like, what are you writing? What are you writing down? And he starts to get suspicious throughout the entire movie where it's like, and like even as the audience, are you like, is, is, he, is she stealing his ideas? Well, yeah, like even at one point, um, you know, when Carlo first shows up, Freddie's talking about it's his turn to tell a story and he starts talking about this guy at at his his high school kid who gets his skin ripped off and turns into a a ghoul and Carlo was like too ghoul for school (laughs) and then like she writes that down and he's like are you stealing his idea yeah yeah and you know it seems like you know the more drunk he gets the more high he gets the more resentful he gets too yeah um so that like he in the midst of all this kind of tongue-in-cheek comic relief storytelling, you kind of have this underlying thread of, like, seriousness where he's, like, like, you can feel the tension building because you can tell that he's starting to kind of resent her mm-hmm. um, or, you know, become suspicious of her. Um, so, I mean, like, it, it's a bunch of these different things that all fit together really well. Um, and just on the surface, you wouldn't think it was all that great, but I actually really liked it. Yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. Um, it's, yeah, like you said, it's something that when you hear, oh, the movie is just sitting and watching these people tell stories, you're like, well, that sounds boring. Mm -hmm. I don't watch a movie to just watch someone talk, but the way that they do it does make it very enjoyable and credit to the actors because they like just threw themselves all the way into this and they're not afraid to just be really goofy with it. Yeah. They really sold it like the, uh. You know, not just their characters, but like when they're pl- playing out their stories, they really, yes, sold the. Yeah, there's one part where Fanny's telling a story about um, this grandfather that calls his granddaughter, and she's just sitting there holding a phone and changing characters back and forth. And you, just from her face, you can tell what character she's doing because mm-hmm. the the grandpa has this like squinty eye and like a crooked mouth. And then she changes, like, have big eyes, and you know that it's the little girl. Yeah. Just from her face, you, you know. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, 
And Chris, I, I think Chris Red is really funny. I find him really funny on uh, SNL. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really watch SNL, so I, I, I know him from Pop Star, but not really much else. Um, but he, he was pretty funny. I like just, I don't know, I was, I was kind of indifferent about his character because we're not indifferent. Um, just on the fence. So I liked, I liked it. I thought he was funny, but on the other hand, I felt like he was kind of breaking down the dynamic that Fred and Fanny had. Yeah. Um. Kind of, kind of distracting from the movie that I was enjoying, but at, again, at the same time, I was, I thought he was funny. So, I don't know. like I said, I feel like they needed to do something to kind of break up the story too. Fair like enough. if they just threw another story between the two of them in there, it would kind of start to get repetitive and um, that's true, uh, derivative. And you'd, so I think it was it was a nice kind of change of pace to have the three of them doing a story. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's the thing. Carlo gets involved. Yeah. He doesn't just start telling stories, but like, like we're talking about, uh, where he, you know, they're all, they're they're pantomiming and, and you know playing out the the stories. He yeah, is actually getting involved in the stories that they're telling. So, and it also adds to the tension between um, Freddie and Fanny, because he's such a big fan of Fanny, and Fred kind of you know resents her for getting all this fame, and he's still this struggling actor writer yeah yeah and you know it's like at the same time <clears throat> like we don't know much about them anyway but i know how i love you yep that's like like the song <laughs> <laughs> um, like that's one of the just like knee-jerk reactions in my mind whenever i hear the words i don't know much my mind immediately just goes but i know how i love you Sure, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know how much. <laughs> oh. Damn it. I forgot what I was saying, though. No. You're talking about how Aaron Neville is, is an American hero. <laughs> <laughs> I just know he did the soundtrack to that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, <laughs> The uh, Little Tortilla Boy. <laughs> He's coming trying to get his hands on my tortillas. I want this guy and his tortillas <laughs> dead. Yeah, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> but I want him and his tortillas dead. <laughs> um, God damn it. This is so <laughs> off base now. And you didn't help at all. Like, like, it's like I don't remember where I was. Oh, you're talking about Eric ne- Aaron Neville. Like, no, I wasn't. When I don't know myself where you were, and I just work to stray you even further off topic. <laughs> You're an asshole. Um, oh, right. So y- y- the as characters, you don't know a lot about them. Like, yeah, we don't get a lot of exposition at any point. Yeah, I mean, like, we know that they're authors. We know that Fred is a struggling author and Fanny's a successful one. We know that Carlo's a pizza boy. We don't even know his last name. Yeah. Um, he specifically says at one point, I don't give that information. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and so throughout the, the movie, there are points where it's just like, Ooh, God, do we need to be suspicious of these guys? Like any time one of these guys could turn out to be a killer. Yeah. And it kind of like goes back and forth too. It's like, it makes you kind of untrusting of Fred and then it kind of makes you untrusting of Fanny and And then Carlo, even Carlo at one point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it whole the whole movie kind of keeps you guessing about what's really going on. 
but you're at the, you know, you're on the surface of just like, okay, well, these are just people just telling scary stories to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like I said, you're kind of, okay, well, I'm, I'm prepared to see somebody just suddenly pull out a knife or, you know, or a gun or something. Um, but yeah. And then like, not even just, you know, being suspicious of them. But like I said, when, you know, like when Carlo first walks in, you think, oh, here's, here it is. There's a slasher coming in the house. Or, yeah. you know, there's different points where you think there's going to be a ghost in the house or, you know, a killer outside or something. Yeah. So it's, you know, not only are you not trusting of them, but you're not trusting of the the elements around them. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't, I don't want to give away the ending, obviously, but there the the ending is something that, like I didn't see coming, but I felt like I should have. Oh, I saw it coming. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. It wasn't quite what I expected, but it was along the same lines. Okay. It's like it, it's one of those things where it's like probably at like different points throughout the movie. Like I kind of saw it as something that could have happened, but yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, probably not. <laughs> but anyway, I I don't I don't really know what else to say about this. Um, we can't really. Like I said, we can't dig into the stories or... or yeah, it's it's interesting because, it, like you said, it's not an anthology, but it kind of is. Yeah. Because it's like, while we're not getting these stories acted out, we're still getting these stories each individually. Right. So, yeah, it's it's a weird kind of non-anthology anthology. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an anthology in that it's, there's different stories told, but that they're not presented in, like, vignettes. Yeah, and without I mean without getting any even giving anything away, um, you know, like uh Fred tries to tell the his werewolf story, but again it's not finished and it's uh you know, Fanny's trying to help him flesh it's it out, but finished. it's it's uh it's basically just Batman. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Nobody ever says that, but the whole time he's telling the story, I'm like, This is Batman <laughs> with a werewolf. <laughs> Uh, and then Fanny tells the story about the grandfather that we talked about. Um, then uh, what's next? Oh, the troll. There's <laughs> a troll story. Oh, uh, right. The troll that lives inside an edible arrangements. <laughs> that one was see that that was after Carlos shows up, and that's when like the the stories like or the, this this story just gets so off the wall because you have three different people contributing to it. Yeah. And they're all just like making it up as they go along. Yeah. Um, Fred's doing this great troll voice that sounds, <laughs> it sounds like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, which is what Fanny points out, but it also reminds me of Abed doing the troll voice in community <laughs> <laughs> when they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, right. which that's actually a good example of a very similar concept. If it, if you've seen that episode of Community, where you know they don't go into this like projected vision of what's going on within the game, but you have the characters acting out what's happening in the game as they're sitting around the table. Yeah, <laughs> kind of the same thing. Interesting. Never would have put that together otherwise. But right. Uh, and then they they do act out a, parts of Venus, or maybe the whole thing. I it's kind of this one isn't done front to back you just kind of get clips of it so i don't really know if they told the whole book or if it was just part of the story but yeah uh and then they do this american idol story about a singer that's possessed by the devil after selling her soul to to get on what do they what do they call it the big talent show live or something because they couldn't say american idol right 
Yeah. Oh God, I I totally forgot about. It. I was combining this story in my head with. Wait, no, this is the troll story, isn't it? No, this is after that. Okay, so I was combining those two stories in my head. Ah, okay. Anyway, so yeah, those are the stories. So there you go. Um, I yeah, I I recommend this highly. Like I I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, and you know, it may not be for everyone. You know, there may be people out there that would prefer to have seen it played out in vignettes. Um, but I don't know. This the, the movie wasn't all about the stories being told. It was about the people telling it. Yeah. Which is different than a lot of anthologies. Yeah. Um, you know, you, every anth- well, most anthologies have a wraparound story, which are a story in itself, but you get more engaged into the stories being told rather than the wraparound. Mm-hmm. This is, the entire film is the wraparound. Yeah, like within the stories being told, the, the wraparound story is still continuing and, and progressing. Right. Um, so yeah, th- this this may not be one for everyone, but I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I could definitely see why people might not like it. it it's, you know, single location. It's a, a very small cast. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got four people total in this whole movie. Yeah. Um, the other one being Fred Striver. Um. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it literally is just watching people tell stories, but with a very dramatic flair, you know, right. and it's not just like, oh, because they're actors, they're very dramatic, but like, you know, there's things done with lighting and sounds and stuff that actually like, it almost is like you're watching the story be acted out, but mm-hmm. in real time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, my only thing is I don't know about how rewatchable it is. Uh, fair enough. I mean, I told you before we started recording, like I, I actually watched this on my own about a month ago before you would actually put it on the schedule. And like, I considered rewatching it and I, I just didn't cause I felt like I remembered it well enough. Um, but you know, I guess if I had rewatched it, I would have been able to say, but, um, yeah, I mean the, the the somewhat of a surprise ending is kind of part of it. So when you already know what's going to happen, might take away from it a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's on Shutter, so if you already have it, then you can watch it again. Watch it a hundred fucking times for six bucks. I'm on. <laughs> uh, I'll give it an eight. That's what I was thinking too. There you go. Cool. Yeah, so Shutter, check it out. Yep. <laughs> Did we tell you this was a Shutter episode? <laughs> All right. So now ne- everyone's playing the Shutter drinking game where you drink every time we say Shutter. <laughs> All right. So next up, uh, another Shutter exclusive. Uh, the also, well, actually this is 2019, but I think it just came out on Shutter not too long ago. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, the film Spiral. It's my first night there. I see this guy and I was terrified. You're dead. (laughs) 
believe me, choosing to live your life loud and proud is about the bravest thing you can do in this world. That robot's pretty good. I'm Tiffany, your new neighbor. I'm Aaron. This is my partner. Hi. Wow. I'm just so happy we have some fresh faces in the neighborhood. Love is all that matters. I'm not sure most people would actually agree with that. I find it disgusting how false stereotypes shape public opinion. Aaron, last night... I think I saw something. There's something not right about this place. What are you talking about? There was a couple that were killed 10 years ago. They knew, and they didn't say anything. You need to stop thinking that everyone's trying to get you all the time. Marshall and Tiffany are good people. Well, to new neighbors. New neighbors. We've been chosen. Chosen for what? Some kind of ritual. Every 10 years, they make a selection. Do you see that? We're the selection. So Spiral is uh, originally, I mean, it must have premiered at like... Uh, the Fright Fest. Fright Fest. There you go. Um, I looked it up while you were taking a shit. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Good looking out, bud. Um, yeah, so like I said, this isn't the uh, Adam Green Spiral. This is, of course, not the Darren Lynn Bowsman Chris Rock. Saw, Chris Rock. Follow up to, to Saw that isn't out yet. Yeah, it's obviously not the one that's not out yet. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, and it just came out on Shutter. It looks like in September. So it's been out for about a couple Two months. Couple months. Um, so this movie. So it's, it starts out in December in 1983. Uh, doesn't say where. Um, although I have to assume, because like all the cars have Illinois yeah. license plates. So I, it's filmed in Alberta, but all the cars have Illinois plates. So I assume that's where it's supposed to take place. <laughs> it wasn't just an accident. Um, <clears throat> so we start out and we're kind of looking, we're panning over this drive-in diner. Uh, in the middle of, of a, a snowstorm, but it's it's snowing. It's a nice, pleasant scene, and there's this sole car parked in this parking lot of this drive-in that's closed. Um, and in the back, two boys, young yeah, boys, <laughs> two young boys, you know, about sixteen, seventeen years old. Or, yeah, high or, school, high school age. They're maybe the, fresh out of high school. They're in the back, just making out, necking it up. And, um, snogging, sure, for our friends across the pond. <laughs> yeah. And I can't remember, 
shit, I, f- I forgot how exactly how this opening scene played out because it, it they they go back to it throughout the film and they yeah. kind of reveal more about it and I can't remember in what order that stuff was revealed. Yeah, I don't I don't recall either. So I guess I'll just leave it at that. There's these two boys making out in the back of a car, and then suddenly we I think okay, I think suddenly we jump to one one's a black boy, one's a white boy, and we jump to the the white boy on the ground outside the car, you know, laying still with his eyes open, so presumably dead, bleeding from the head. We don't know what happened, <clears throat> but the black boy just standing there screaming. Um, and we jump forward to, uh, it was like November of 1995. Um, and we see three people, three people in the car. Um, there's two, two men, um, Aaron and Malik. Yeah. Aaron and Malik and, and Aaron's daughter, Kayla. Um, Aaron and Malik are a gay couple, um, you know, co-parenting Kayla, um, who is, like I said, Aaron's daughter. Um, they are getting out of the city, you know, the, the, city. the city, uh, moving, moving away to, you know, they kind of present it like it's like the, like the country, but it, it's just a suburb. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a rural suburb, I would say. It's, it's not exactly like it's smaller than here yeah yeah i guess you know what maybe not smaller but more spaced out i would consider that similar to how this town was in 95 sure um they're relocating i don't know exactly why other than aaron is starting a new job malik is a writer so he works from home kayla's a high school student they ever say what aaron does no he's just this is working, man. I work. I work for a living. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're just, you know, getting out of the bustle of the city, of the, of the big city, <laughs> and uh, starting a new life out in, you know, the, the country, whatever. For lack of a better term. Since we don't know exactly where this is supposed to be. Um, and, you know, Kayla is like how any other teenager would be when you uproot their lives and move them somewhere else. She's a little standoffish and kind of bitchy, but it's not like a move her to another state. She's just moving away from the city into another town, supposedly, you know, next or near the city the she's city. moving from. <laughs> um, so, so they, yeah, they, they arrive at their new house and they're kind of getting offloaded. Um, and, they uh, I'm trying to think of like important parts without having to talk about every little thing that happens. Yeah. So they they're they're kind of starting to get moved in, um, and you know adjusted to their new lives. Um, Malik is writing this book from based. It's a it's a it's an autobiography or not an autobiography. It's a bio, bio, biography. Biography, goddammit. A biography of this doctor um, who seems like kind of an asshole. He seems very, um, you know, kind of religious, like under the surface, but also talks about like this kind of, you know, 
standard family core. Yeah, which kind of triggers Malik a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like throughout the, po- the movie, Malik talks about, you know, his, his life as a gay man, you know, mainly talking to like Kayla about what it's like to... to Who he calls Booger. Right. <laughs> um, but also talks about, you know, how he met Aaron and, you know, what they did before, you know, Aaron was kind of out and out and proud. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so they, they kind of move into this town and, you know, basically right off the bat, people kind of get that they're a gay couple and they seem a little standoffish as, you know, rural country folk tend to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, Especially in 1995. Right. Yeah, and like that's the thing you have to kind of adjust your mind to to, to think about. This yeah, I had to keep 90s. reminding myself this was 1995 because this shit still happens. Right, but it's it's. I don't want to say it's it doesn't happen as often because it probably does, but um, it's not. Yep, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think it's I don't think it's quite the same. I think it's I think it's different now in that you know b- being gay is is you know people being out and you know public with with you know who they are is more a lot of the taboo is gone. Yeah, th- thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah, the the t- the taboo and the 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 um the kind of the don't ask don't tell mentality is not so much there anymore. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I constantly trying to have to remind myself of that. It's like through this movie, it's like, uh, you know, Aaron and Malik, they refer to each other as their partners, but it's like, well, are they not married? It's like, Oh no, of course they're not married. This is 1995. That, that just didn't really happen back then. But they are uh, married. I don't think so. At the end, the dude Marshall he's calls Aaron Malik's husband. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's literally the only time it's mentioned. So I'm. I mean, maybe he misspoke. Maybe he misunderstood. Because uh, yeah, I found myself wondering the same thing. But then when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, they are married. Yeah, because you know. But again, what, that's literally the only time it's mentioned, and, right. it's, and it's such a passing thing too. Yeah, you know, at one point, um, their their neighbor Tiffany shows up with a pie or some shit some baked good and she said oh that was the flower oh that's right okay um they she shows up and says oh i saw your gardener out front you know it's malik working on it you know taking branches off of a tree he's like oh no that that's my partner right malik and so when he says partner i think okay well they're probably not married then anyway um so uh yeah, Mar- Marshall, who I just talked about, is Tiffany's husband, played by Lachlan Monroe of Dead Man on Campus fame. Right. <laughs> I, see, that I always go to um, uh, Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. Their friend Craig, <laughs> the wedding bouncer. Um, and he, he's like the only recognizable face in this, at least for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- so the, they're their neighbors. Um, there's a. One neighbor, god damn it, what was his name? Who, the old guy? Um, yeah, Mr. Reinhardt. Old man Reinhardt. That's what they call him. Yeah, they do call him that. He would, 
the, the, like the first few nights that they were there, he would just like be standing in their yard, staring at their house. And, you know, Malik t- at one point takes out the garbage and he's just standing across the street and looks at him and shakes his head and, and you know, turns around and walks away. And so Malik's, all right, okay, well, that's how it's going to be then. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, they, they, they meet Tiffany and Marshall and their son Tyler, um, who takes an interest in Kayla. Um, and they, they seem nice and, you know, very accepting of, of, uh, you know, them being gay, you know, not, not the typical kind of closed mindedness you'd expect from the the rest, you know, the rest of the town, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, uh, was this before or after someone broke into their house? Before. Okay. I'm kind of struggling here because there's like. The, if someone breaks into their house and spray paints some uh, some unkind words. Yeah, it's a word that starts with F and it has six letters. It's funny because they don't actually show it. Um, yeah, he's kind of standing. He's in the standing right of in the it. middle of it, but you know what word it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um. Yeah, like like you can see F A on one side and T S on the other side, and I don't think it's farts. <laughs> Uh, Unless there's just a big ass R in the middle. <laughs> Farts. And <laughs> like six R's. <laughs> Why would someone do this? <laughs> what are they trying to achieve? <laughs> are they saying we smell like farts? <laughs> Farts are funny. Farts are funny. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, somebody breaks in their house, sprays paint, spray paints. Farts. Farts. <laughs> Uh, on their wall, um, and you know Malik is—he's experiencing and seeing all this these prejudicial things happening, and he's trying to shield Aaron from it because he doesn't want Aaron to freak out. I guess. Yeah, I mean it's clear that Aaron hasn't been out long, right? Yeah, I mean, and you know that—that's part of what what Kayla, you know. Kayla is a, a typical teenage girl. She's very, like I said, standoffish and kind of, you know, rude, uh, particularly to her parents. And at one point, I think Malik says, you know, he, she's just, she's kind of coming to terms with it. She's trying to accept things. And, you know, she, she's tr- blaming you for her mom, who presumably is not in the picture. Um, no, she's in Tahiti somewhere. I think that's what she says. Did they say it? I don't remember. That. Yeah, Tyler asks where her mom is, and she says Tahiti or Tijuana or something. She says, she's pro- I think so. It is Tijuana, actually. I think she says something like she's probably in Tijuana spending my inheritance or something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, like you said, like Aaron obviously hasn't been out long. Um, presuming, or you, considering he has an ex-wife and a teenage daughter. Um, and he himself is not that old. Um, and in case you didn't piece it together, the, the young boy at the beginning was a, a younger Malik. Yeah. I mean, it, they don't make that explicit until like pretty much the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, but you kind of piece it together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he had an ex-boyfriend who was beaten to death in a parking lot. Right in front of him. Yeah, um, and obviously it's it's done some damage to him because now as a as a as a gay man, not only just not only a gay man but a black man, um, 
he's obviously very on guard. Yeah. And, you know, very aware of, of prejudice. Um, and so even as Marshall and Tiffany are very kind, very accepting, he's very suspicious of them for, for being so accepting, I guess. <laughs> um, and, um, I guess one night Malik sees this thing, sees something going on across the street. Or no, okay, so Mr. Reinhardt, one night after Malik has a, a security system installed because somebody keeps, you know, somebody is breaking into their house, somebody is, you know, creeping stalked, outside the window, you know, stalking around the, the property. Um, he puts a security alarm in and it goes off one night and Malik chases a. Mr. Reinhardt into the yard. Um, uh, chases is generous. Sure. Mr. Reinhardt moves like a, I mean, like an old man. <laughs> um, he he takes of, these like tiny little, like he's clearly trying to hustle as much as he can, but he's got these tiny little steps. Yeah. He's kind of scurrying. <laughs> <laughs> Scurry away. Um, and, uh, you know, Malik's just like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, kind of get, you know, find out what the hell he wants. And he says, you know, uh, you have you know, kind of gives him like this. You you have to beware type. You're doomed. Yeah, you know, he, and he slips him a hand, a piece of paper. He's like, "Don't tell anybody that I gave you this. Don't say, don't say anything to anyone." Um, and uh, later on, Malik's looking at this paper and it's blank. And he's like, "So what?" It's like, there's he's like holding it up to the light, trying to see if there's some secret message written. Um, and uh, I don't know if it's like. It must be like the next night he looks across the way at Mr. Reinhardt's house and he can see the townspeople in there all in a circle in the living room, join hands and they're kind of swaying back and forth and they have Marshall or, you know, Marshall's looking on at what, the, what you know, what's happening. And he, it, it's, it's all very strange. And the next morning, Mr. Reinhardt's dead. Um, so Malik just, he's, he's putting all the stuff together. He's becoming very suspicious of what's going on. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, he, he's like kind of trying to communicate this stuff to Aaron and Aaron's just like, you're, you're being paranoid. Um, you know, this is a nice place. These are nice people. You need to just kind of adjust and, and, you know, let this be, be our home, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but Malik is just not having it. He like goes down a rabbit hole, just kind of discovering things about this town. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not quite the, the, the happy little Berg that he, that, that was presented on the surface. Yeah. Um, he uses a microfiche and finds out some, yeah, you know, those nineties things, (laughs) man, I don't remember what we were watching but somebody was using a microfiche and cheese was just like, I've never used one of those. And I was just like, really? Wow. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like she's not that much younger than me. How could she have never used one? There, maybe there, there was, I think I've, I don't know if I was talking to you or if I was talking to her, but there was just this point in the nineties where technology started soaring. Like it was, you know, kind of going like this. And then all of a sudden it just went, bam, so that generational divide between us and them was stark, even though we're not that far apart. Yeah. So yeah, where we had you know 
microfiche and we had to actually go to the library and look at books and stuff. It's like that it was, was, it was as soon as Al Gore invented the internet. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we were all there. We saw it happen. Yeah. He, he told us about it. He was super serial. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny when Malik pulls out his computer, because like I said, he's a writer. Um, and he, you know, he pulls out this big ass CRT monitor. Yeah. He's got like a big gateway computer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, a giant fucking tower, a giant printer, uh, and, you know, like an, an upright printer. That you drop the paper in from the top mm-hmm. and it like feeds to the bottom, um, and uh, separate and, scanner. <laughs> oh, and one of those fucking nineties keyboards, like clack it, clack it, clack it, clack it, clack it. It just it it took me back to when we got our first computer when I was like six or seven years old. Uh, just the old Packard Bell. Our first computer was a Gateway. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like I remember when we first got. That computer, the internet, like, there was no, like, internet browsers. Like, Internet Explorer, I don't think it existed, and even if it did, there wouldn't be much to look at. You had to look at, like, because we had Prodigy. Do you remember Prodigy? Mm -hmm. We had Prodigy, and, you know, Prodigy was basically, like, kind of like one big message board hub. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Whereas, like, that was kind of like how the internet was. It was just like a bunch of, like, connected message boards. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just it's seeing him play around on that computer and using, like, a, like Windows 95. <laughs> just, it, it took me back. Oh. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Plot wise, I think that's about as much as I can say without giving stuff away. But yeah, there's there's clearly something going on in this town. Something sinister. Something below board. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, you know, Malik is he believes something's going on, but like pretty much everybody else is just making him seem like he's crazy. Um. And I will say the the movie definitely like kind of makes you question whether he's right or not too. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say par- probably right up to the end, like you're not really sure exactly what's going on, and you know what he imagines and, and what's actually happening. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I will say that I don't know make making the black gay man appear as if he's crazy and imagining prejudice <laughs> was not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how it played into the story and I get it, but it's just, it, I don't know. It didn't read well. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. what do you think? I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was paced extremely well. I think it did a really good job of just kind of, um, keeping the tension high mm-hmm. without ever like really kind of, you know, there's, it doesn't really come in waves where it's like, here's, you know, there's a lot of tension and then there's a big moment. It just kind of has this underlying tension throughout. that doesn't really kind of crescendo until the final act. Mm-hmm. But I thought the final act was kind of confusing. All of a sudden it just th- started throwing a lot of stuff at you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's this like kind of like underlying kind of cult thing going on where it's just like, even that is not really all that well explained. Yeah. And then like his, 
pills get switched. So you're like wondering what that controls. Like, is it, is that messing with his mind? Like what exactly are these pills doing to him? Yeah. Yeah. At one point he like, he, he like, he pan- like he's in a panic and he takes these pills. Like it's, it's like whatever they're, whatever they do is supposed to help this. So I don't know. Yeah. If there's like some kind of like schizophrenia pill or like maybe anti-anxiety pills or something. Yeah. But then, like whatever they were switched with, again, we don't know. We don't know what that does. Yeah, if he, you know, they're making him hallucinate or something, like, or yeah. if, they're, if they're, you know, trying to poison him. Yeah, I feel like this movie was going in a few different directions all at once, which was kind of distracting. Yeah, um, I mean, we had different things where it's just like kind of like, um, I don't know, fish out of water isn't really the right term. Um, it's. I felt it was kind of, kind of like a movie we've seen before, like a lot, <laughs> where it's like you have this this out of towner moves into a small town, and you know the people are kind of weird. They don't really fit in, and there's something go weird going on below the surface. And yeah, you know this person tries to tell their loved one what's loved ones what's happening, and they don't believe him. That that kind of thing. It's just kind of really by the numbers. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, towards the end, it started throwing in all this shit like. Like there's a cult and, and like there are there ghosts and you know it's like it's, it's like every 10 years they make like some kind of offering or something yeah what, what they there's the the chosen or something like they choose someone but it seems like it's always a gay person which like how does a gay person just randomly move to this town every 10 years wow yeah that was a bit of a convenience but yeah i mean it's explained that the 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 chosen ones or you know the offerings are people who society hates. That's true. Yeah, it was. I guess it wasn't specifically gay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, in the eighties, when like the previous one had been, there was like this weird like jump to conclusions where he's watching videos of the ten years ago mm-hmm. when this lesbian couple moved in and they ended up being the chosen the chosen, <laughs> um, and he's just like, oh my god, Kayla. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, because the, the, this lesbian couple also had a daughter. Is that what happened? Yeah. And w- she ended up being the chosen? Um, well, I think they all kind of all were. Oh, okay. I'm not really, really sure. Like I said, I got kind of confused in, in, in the final f- few minutes because, like I said, they threw a lot of stuff at you all at once. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then, I mean, it's kind of, not nah, sort of a spoiler, I guess, but like after the events of what's happening here in 1995, it jumps ahead in another 10 years to 2005. <clears throat> and you have this Muslim com- uh, family. family moving in company, <laughs> Muslim family moving in to the same house, which is weird that it's just been, it's always the same house. house. <laughs> well, no, cause the lesbian couple lived in a different house. Did they? Okay. Yeah. Cause remember Malik goes to investigate it. Oh Yeah. <clears throat> which is where he finds all the videotapes. Yeah. Or rather he's handed them by the, a ghost yeah. or something. The, yeah. And there, there's a bunch of weird... <laughs> that was another one of those just weird random things that just was never really explained and yeah. then just kind of happened once and went away. Yeah, and it's like, did that actually happen? Because, you know, when when it's like, oh, they're fucking with his pills and, you know, making him see things. There's several different points. But he had the cassette, so it's, yeah. he found them somehow. <laughs> And there's several different points throughout the movie where he's like talking to somebody 
and then like suddenly they'll just be on the other side of him or in a different room mm-hmm. and like they're acting like that that nothing's out of sorts but he's just like what the fuck just happened um so it's that kind of thing and yeah so i mean he's basically the target of it <clears throat> i have a question i want to ask but it's a spoiler so remind me when we cut i want to ask you this okay um he he's basically getting all the, the brunt of all this because he's kind of seen below the surface um and you know actually so the way he starts to figure out what's going on is if the this piece of paper that Mr. Reinhardt gave him <clears throat> he finally s- discovers how to access this hidden message on the paper and he finds it's a series of dates and he starts researching the, he- the history of this of this town on these dates and seeing a pattern um he doesn't really explore Anything, like at least on screen, doesn't explore anything beyond 85, which was just 10, 10 years prior. Yeah. But presumably this goes back, you know, decades or centuries. Yeah. I mean, he talks about how he realized that it goes back <clears throat> however long. But yeah, on screen, they only really show him uh, doing detective work on 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Overall, I really liked it, though. I, I thought it was very, uh, very engaging and very, um, uh, you know, it, it kept me interested throughout the movie. Like I said, I thought that it was paced very well and that that just kind of had that level of tension that never really broke and just kind of had you anticipating what was going to happen next. Yeah. And like at one point I even told Cheese, I was like, I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I guess I en- I enjoyed it for the most part. Um But like I said, you know, this it seemed like a story that I'd seen a thousand times. Sure. So that that kind of it's uh, it didn't really take away from me like enjoying it like, you know, sitting there and watching it. It wasn't just occupying my thoughts like, "Oh, I can see what's going to happen next." And um it wasn't that kind of thing. But just at the end it's just like, "Okay, well, I feel like that's just another one of the another another movie that fits this story archetype, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like me not being, uh, you know, gay or you know, even in this case black. I feel like I wasn't. I didn't connect with. Didn't really hit home. Yeah, like I mean, I I, I get it, like for sure, like. I mean, especially, you know, in the 90s when there was so much prejudice going on. And actually, clip cut to, um, I couldn't tell who that was talking, but talked about how, you know, the Clinton era, how Clinton wanted to basically, um, you know, undo all this, you know, this re- religious notions and, you know, allow gays and women in the army and that kind of stuff. So it was that, that whole mindset that around that time you know yeah um so eh. yeah but but yeah me not really connecting with with the character on a on a you know personal level i guess it's just it's it's nobody's fault it's just it didn't hit home with me i guess more than somebody who's Socially aware, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was, 
it was enjoyable, like you said. Um, I'm not sure this would be one I'd go back to, but I didn't have a problem. Like, I wasn't sitting there waiting for it to be over, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, I think that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, here, it's like, this is a, uh, <clears throat> a re- uh, critic review from Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not sure who actually wrote it, but uh, Spiral explores the tension between otherness and conformity with a well-acted horror story that chills, even though it doesn't outright terrify. I think that's, that's pretty apt. Yeah. Yeah, definitely more on the thriller spectrum of the the horror movie scale, but yeah. And you know, this while it didn't have like kind of like the the same like hard-hitting edge that like uh Get Out did. It's kind of a similar notion, I guess. Yeah. Um but anyway, not too bad. Again, on shutter uh, if you're already paying for it, you got nothing to lose by watching it. Um, yep. So that's it. That's it. That's the show. That's the show. That's the show. <laughs> um. Hey, hey, Dex, what are you doing, buddy? Um. Yeah. So, uh, like we said several times, Shutter, six bucks a month. Shutter, fucking call me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, Shutter, if you want to pay us to um, drop your name, fucking do it. Even if you just give us free Shutter, we'll take it. That's fine. That's a win. (laughs) You know what what would make me happy is we had a, uh, a sponsor that just paid like for our like our basic costs. Like if somebody just paid for us to like renew our website subscription and pay for our hosting fees. That's kind of what Patreon does. Well, sure. Yeah. But then we could use Patreon for other things. (laughs) Like, uh, I don't know. Drugs. Fucking drugs. Yeah. (laughs) You think I'm not a cocaine addict because I don't want to be? What a stupid thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It's falling apart. Um, anyway, yeah. So Shutter, six bucks a month. Um, totally worth it. You know, I've been a happy subscriber for a few years now, and I've, I've never regretted it. Uh, there's always something to watch, even if you're just watching, rewatching a, an old classic that you, that you love watching a hundred times. Um, like I said, my personal favorite is watching Joe Bob, um, cause I grew up with him and it, it's great that he's back doing, doing his, his, uh, his shtick. And, you know, every once in a while we get these, uh, shutter exclusives that pop up and I'd, I'd say what, at least half the time they're pretty good. Yeah. Yep. All right. 
So that's going to do it for us here today, guys. Um, we will be back in a couple weeks with a brand spanking new episode in which we will be watching The Dark and the Wicked and Nobody Sleeps in the Woods tonight. There it is. I'm interested to watch that. Uh, Nobody Sleeps in the Woods tonight because it's Polish. Are you Polish? Are you Polish? Um, but it, it looks very much like an American slasher film. So, interested to see it. <sighs> Originally, we were going to watch Peninsula, but I was reading stuff and it sounds like it's really more of like an action adventure movie that just kind of has zombies in it. Like World War Z. Maybe, I don't know. But not like trash. Yeah. Um, although it's not getting very good reviews. So I switched to this Dark and the Wicked, which sounds interesting. Fair enough. Like, Peninsula's not getting good reviews? Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. Train to Busan was... Train to Busan was real good. was bitching. Although, I'd say that was very much an action adventure. True. More so than horror, too. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Uh, A couple weeks. Taylor, in the meantime, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. Rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast, or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. If you'd like some exclusive content in exchange for very little money, head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. And of course, check out graveplotfilmfest.com for updates on next year's Grave Plot Film Fest, third annual uh, virtual online film festival. February 6th. Grave Plot Film Fest 3, Home Invasion. That's right, because we're going to be in that's, your homes. That's what we're calling it. You're going to see our faces all up in your face, all up in your home. Yep. If you got a 3D TV, then we're just, it's going to be like we're there. <laughs> I mean, we're not shoot, we're not doing anything in 3D, but you can you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but you could you could wear the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even make 3D TVs anymore? I don't know. Those are those are stupid. <laughs> anyway. I mean, in about 30 more years, the 3D trend will come back around again, because that seems to be the gimmick. It's true. And then we'll probably... Never mind. And we'll talk about how stupid it is. (laughs) And it'll be like, oh my god, it's amazing now, though. (laughs) And then it'll go away in like five years. Yeah, people jump out of the screen and they fucking punch you in the face. Where's your daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, guys. So we're going to see you next episode. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Yeah, I'm one of them pretty rappers. Fuck if I really have to. I really slap you. King of Detroit, who they name in the city after? What? Scantless partners, who's grandma hammers the heart into your heart with content you don't want to start with. Expert, bad and evil is coming soon. MCs get stuck head first back in their mother's womb. This shit is written. In my eyes, I'm the illest MC spitting. What? Leaving all of you cash kittens. I gotta dish you. My niggas be cocking pistols. Shot and split you. Splitting the profits with you. What? Six percent of y'all is just pretend. Clicks with Stick with Act bully And blast for the fast penny My auto is fully Plenty of Pack a semi Speak dark Yo you get paid what? Rhyming about it It's the sweet part You can't be street smart With a cheap heart Five nine A street With deep feeling what? I keep illing My steeds willing To keep killing Rap A lot of y'all All is just acts Trust that You rhyme all whack On rough tracks Bust And then we all black When you get bust back at Fuck that You get blast at You get
get laughed at And I'ma spit thunder What? Stick to my guns It's finished before the gimmicks One hit wonders What? Big balls That's why when I spit You click stars I'm a pit bull I'm just dog I'm just raw What? Split y'all Holler it's all Then I dish y'all All of y'all get pissed off Claiming you pissed off I want drama Wanna make a scary movie Rappers coming in with their team And carry toolies You can jump right out of the screen And barely move me We hard hitting Directing and starring in it Y'all want drama? Wanna make a scary movie? Rappers coming in with their team and carry toolies You can jump right out of the screen and barely move me Be hard hitting, directing and starring in it The one man on the planet that'll drive off of the Grand Canyon Hop out of a Grand Dam and land in a handstand